Welcome to Empowered and Unfiltered. I'm your host, Corinne Catania, and today we are going to talk about food labels and what they actually mean. So this episode is for you if either you have been wanting to buy healthier foods but you don't know where to start or how to decipher all of these different ingredient labels like organic, non-GMO, those types of, of labels, or if you already are buying products with these labels because you believe that they are better for you, but you want to make sure that your information is correct and you have a better understanding of what they actually mean just to make sure that you're not being greenwashed or manipulated by a company's marketing campaign. So we're going to break that down in today's episode. And my hope for you is that by the end of this, you are able to confidently make shopping decisions that you believe are best for you and your family. Okay, I think we should start with the obvious, USDA certified organic versus non-organic conventional foods. And I first want to talk about whole foods specifically. So what I mean by that is I'm not talking about processed foods right now. I'm talking specifically about our whole foods that we grow, our vegetables, our fruits, our starches, things like that. Um, And I would be remiss to talk about organic food if I didn't give you some backstory because there have been a lot of arguments in the past that, you know, we've always grown our crops this way. Why is it such a big deal now? And that's not entirely accurate because when we talk about organic foods, this is not a new concept like some may think. Organic food, it used to just be called food. It was the only type of food available at the grocery store. So what we are used to today, organic for versus conventional, is not how it used to be. And what we're used to as our conventional food, that's usually what we just call food, that used to be what we consider organic today. That might be confusing, so let me kind of explain a little bit further. Um I'm not going to give you too much of a history lesson, but I do have to get into history a little bit because it's important. All right, so I am not saying that pesticides and sprays were not used at all because some were definitely tested um, from, from the research that I've done, but they were done so minimally and many were naturally occurring pesticides. So naturally occurring pesticides, we'll get into this a little bit later, but those are allowed in organic foods today for the most part. What's not allowed are the synthetic pesticides. Um, So during World War II, we had an industry that was built around a war, right? So we had factories creating chemical warfare and explosives. And after the war ended, these factories didn't really have a use anymore. So, you know, you think about supply and demand. Well, they had the supply, but the demand was no longer there since the war was over. And as business owners, they had to pivot, right? And so they turned to synthetic pesticides, and many of the factories actually converted to synthetic pesticide factories. 
And they had kind of tested this theory with DDT during the war because originally they were using it to control the mosquito population and reduce cases of certain diseases like malaria. But what they found was that it was also killing other insects. And farmers started to spray it on their crops and realized that it actually was killing the insects. And so these factories knew that there was a market for this synthetic pesticide industry. So with all of that, a new way of farming was created and the use of synthetic pesticides just became increasingly more popular and the industry boomed. And I mean, that's kind of how we got to where we are today. But that's not to say everyone was happy with this decision. There were a group of Americans who did not believe in this change, and they believed that these pesticides were harming our health. And so they formed this, like, organic grassroots movement. And in the 70s, they actually pushed more food regulation from the government. And then in 2002, the USDA certified label that we know of today went into effect. So that basically means that farmers are able to certify that their farming practices are actually organic, and they do this with either like their state or a private accredited agency. We'll talk about what they consider organic in a second, but I wanted to give you that backstory on how organic foods came about or really where they came from, because I think it's a really important piece of this that many Americans don't know. Um, So I wanted to highlight that quick. I hope that was quick. (laughs) Okay, so now to talk about like USDA certified organic and conventional foods, I think we have to start with what is allowed in conventional foods today um, that are banned for USDA certified organic foods. And so a few things that are allowed are GMO ingredients. So we will talk more in depth about what GMOs are and the concerns when we talk about the non-GMO verified label in a few minutes. But uh, GMOs are heavily used in conventional foods. And that stands for genetically modified organisms, by the way. And so these are basically uh, foods that have been altered in a lab. And there are certain food groups that are over 90% genetically modified in the U.S. So this is like a huge deal right now in the conventional space, but they are never allowed in organic foods. And that leads me into synthetic pesticides. We talked about synthetic pesticides and how they came about. So we know that they are extremely popular in conventional farming practices. Um, And I highly recommend you watching the Netflix documentary. I actually don't know if it was a Netflix documentary, but it's on Netflix. It's called Kiss the Ground, and it shows how conventional farming practices and pesticide use is literally destroying our soil. So there's a lot of environmental concerns around pesticide use that I'll get into first before we talk about, like, the potential harmful effects to our health. Um, So with the environment, like I said, it's affecting our soil. It's going into our land, which could affect our groundwater, which basically means it's going to impact us. We're going to be drinking those those pesticides, right? Um, And 
also, we've also seen that they can get into a water source by runoff. So even though they're sprayed on land and the crops, they the runoff can bring them to some sort of water source, like a pond or a river or an ocean, and that water can become contaminated with the chemicals. And there have been instances where the fish or other animals in that area die and get sick, and it throws our entire ecosystem off balance. It's absolutely crazy that it's impacting those fish and animals. Like, why wouldn't that be a cause for concern that it could, those, those pesticides could impact us as well? And there have actually been like countless studies that have shown that pesticides, certain pesticides have been linked to cancer and Alzheimer's, ADHD, birth defects. I mean, they literally are showing that they're, they can potentially harm our nervous system and our reproductive system and our endocrine system, and we are still allowing them on our foods. And there was actually a statistic that I read that when you eat a conventional apple, whatever kind of apple it may be, say it's a gala apple, um, when you're eating a conventional gala apple, you are eating up to 30 different pesticides. 30 different pesticides. It's literally insane to me that we are still allowing these on our food. And certain pesticides have been banned over the years, but that's after like years of them being used and us eating them. <laughs> and I get that you know, it is a privilege to be able to afford to eat organic. Um, I get that. I know that it's more expensive. I recognize that, especially now with prices of food going up. But I do encourage you when you're looking at your fruits and vegetables, just because we're talking about pesticides specifically, to pull something called the Dirty Dozen. And if you want, send me a message on Instagram. I'll send you a link to it. And it basically shows the highest um, pesticide use on different foods. And try and make swaps for those, right? Um, that way you know that you're avoiding the highest amount of pesticides um, on certain products. And a big misconception that a lot of people have, so I do want to point this out, um, a lot of people think that pesticides in general overall are banned from organic foods, and that's actually not the case. So synthetic pesticides are not allowed in organic foods. However, naturally derived pesticides are. So these are the pesticides that are literally from nature, they're supposed to be... Um, you know, not, they're supposed to be safe for our health and they're not synthetic. They're not built in a factory. Um, so I did want to clear that up because that's something that I have heard a ton. Okay. Now, very similarly to pesticides, which, which are sprayed on our foods to, or on our crops to kill insects and bugs, Herbicides are also very commonly used in conventional farming practices. So herbicides are weed killers, right? And so a very common one, which you've probably heard of, is Roundup. And the key ingredient in Roundup is something called glyphosate. Now, glyphosate is very controversial. So there have been many studies done on glyphosate, and many of them have all different conclusions. 
So to start, in 2015, the World Health Organization declared that glyphosate is probably carcinogenic to humans, which simply means that it has the potential to cause cancer. And this was based on observational studies done on animals. And so the rice, the rice, oh my gosh, I have food on my brain. The mice and the rats that were studied, that were exposed to glyphosate, developed tumors. And so this was one of the reasons why they believed it to cause cancer or potentially cause cancer. There were also studies done on the link between glyphosate and non-Hodgkin lymphoma, which is a cancer that originates in the white blood cells. Um, Some studies found that there was a link between glyphosate and lymphoma, and then other studies show that there was no uh, connection at all. And so... It's it's really inconclusive, um, and honestly, no one really knows whether or not glyphosate is safe or not, but when looking at some of these studies, what people have found is that the authors of these studies have financial ties to or had financial ties to Monsanto. So Monsanto was the company that produced Roundup. It was like the big company. It actually is now uh, Bayer. It was bought by them. I think that's how you pronounce it. But um, so who knows on whether or not glyphosate is actually safe, but there's a lot of concerns because there have been some studies that have linked glyphosate to certain cancers while others found no connection. So Yeah, take that as you will, um, but it is something that I personally avoid, and uh, weed killers and herbicides, Roundup and glyphosate are all banned in organic foods. Okay, um, now let's go into hexane. So hexane is a classified neurotoxin derived from crude oil. And it's used in conventional foods to extract oils from plant seeds, such as like canola, canola, soybeans, sunflowers, corn, like those types of, of things. And it's used because it's less expensive than squeezing out the oil with like a press. But here's the thing. It's supposed to be removed. Like hexane is supposed to be removed from the finished product, like before that oil is distributed to us, the consumers. Um, But from different studies that have come out is that there is hexane residue left in the oils. Um, So this is especially common in conventional like canola oils and veggie burgers and soy products. Um... So, yeah, there's obviously concerns being that it's a classified neurotoxin and it's in conventional products. So, again, hexane is not allowed in organic foods. Also not allowed in organic foods but allowed in conventional foods is sewage sludge. So, this is a gross one. It is basically treated waste that's flushed down the toilet. Like, it's gross. Um, So conventional farms use this as a fertilizer because it's 
really cheap or they can get it for free. So kind of gross. Um, but that's a deal with sewage sludge. We won't get too much into that. Another thing, now this is, we've talked a lot about like crops and things like that, but now pivoting to animals and meat. So antibiotics are commonly used in um, the meat industry because it helps keep their cattle quote unquote healthy. So instead of actually taking care of their animals and giving them an environment that promotes good health, they, many of them just live in shitty conditions. The animals live in shitty conditions and just get pumped with antibiotics to keep them healthy. They also use antibiotics to fatten up their animals, which means more money for them. And speaking of, they also use something called uh, ractopamine. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's a growth-promoting drug similar to the antibiotics like I was talking about, and it's used to fatten up their livestock. So again, to make them more money. Um, So these two things are never allowed in organic foods. Now, both of those things have different concerns. So, ractopamine is actually, I would consider it inhumane for the animals. Um, They get really stressed out. Their heart rate increases. They're anxious. It makes them difficult to handle and to transport. Um, It's really, really sad to see their reaction to this drug. And then, in addition to that, it is also banned in a hundred different countries because of the concerns around it. And actually, data from the European Food Safety Authority indicates that ractopamine causes elevated heart rates and heart-pounding sensations in humans. And the Sichuan Pork Trade Chamber of Commerce in China estimates that between 1998 and 2010, 1,700 people were poisoned from eating pork containing ractopamine. So there's definitely concerns with that. And then going into um, antibiotics, there's concerns that the use of pumping animals with antibiotics constantly, even when they're not sick, could contribute to um, antibiotic-resistant strains of diseases and illnesses. So that's kind of the deal with those two things. And I think I mentioned it, but those are not allowed in organic foods. Um, So that kind of wraps up the different things that are not allowed in organic foods. When you see a USDA-certified label, it means no GMOs. Again, we'll talk about that. No synthetic pesticides. No Roundup herbicides like glyphosate. um, No hexane. No sewage sludge. No antibiotics. And no ractopamine. So that is not to say, however, I want to take it to the flip side. That is not to say that when you see an organic label, that means that that product is healthy, Um, especially when we talk about processed foods. Because processed foods, they can have ingredients on the ingredient label that just because it's organic and doesn't contain any of the things that we talked about could just be very processed and not good for our health. Maybe a super inflammatory ingredient or who knows what. Um, So be mindful of what you're 
picking and what you're buying. And now we are going to go into the non-GMO verified label. So I personally look for USDA certified organic labels over a non-GMO verified label. The reason being is because not having GMO foods in your food is is great, right? That's something that I look for, but that's already the case with organic foods. Whereas the non-GMO verified label just means that there's no GMOs in it. It doesn't mean that there's not the other crap that we talked about, like synthetic pesticides. Um, sometimes you will see both organic and the GMO label on the packaging. That's just like for them to, you know, increase your confidence. Um, but it really doesn't mean <laughs> anything additional. Um, and then other times you'll just see the non-GMO label. So that means that it they're probably um, have synthetic pesticides and other things in that food, but still better than nothing. Um, So GMOs, they are genetically modified foods. So it's basically when our food has been artificially uh, manipulated in a laboratory through genetic engineering. The reason behind doing this is to engineer these crops to be able to withstand the direct application of herbicides and pesticides that like kill off weeds and insects without actually killing the crop itself. And it's been around for a while um, for that reason specifically, but they're also now modifying these, these foods to reduce the browning and apples and things like that. But it really did start off for that main reason that I just talked about. And I have a whole spiel about GMOs, but I won't go into the entire thing or this podcast would be like two hours long. And I did countless presentations in college on GMOs. Rach, if you're listening to this, I love you. Our GMO presentation should go up in the Ithaca Hall of Fame. Um, but no, seriously, GMO crops have exploded, especially when it comes to corn, soybeans, canola, sugar beets, like over 90% of all of those crops that I just mentioned in the U.S. are GMO. 90%. It's also estimated that up to 80% of foods in supermarkets contain ingredients that come from genetically modified crops. So chances are, if you are in the store, in the grocery store, buying any type of food that doesn't have a organic label or a non-GMO label, It has some sort of GMO something in there. And the problem is, is we just don't know if GMOs are safe. It's kind of similar to the glyphosate situation where there's scientific studies that are conflicting each other, um, but there has been things to come out that are concerning. And we are told that they're safe, um, but we're lacking credible long-term studies, at least in my opinion. Um, and, you know, I just personally like to stay away from them. Some of the studies that I've read is that they increase super weeds and pesticide use, which ultimately can impact our health and our environment. Um, again, I'm, you know, buying organic foods as much as I can. So pesticides and herbicides aren't really used, but I do have a concern for our environment in this case. And then also the use of like herbicides like Roundup that we talked about has increased 15-fold 
since GMOs were first introduced. And the main concern with GMOs, not in terms of our health, but just in terms of like it in general, is that we do not know what contains what's genetically modified, right? Unless we see a non-GMO verified label or an organic label, like we don't know if that food or that product is has been genetically modified. And 64 countries around the world, including like Australia, Japan, and all of the countries in the EU, require that genetically modified foods have to be labeled. But we don't in the U.S. And so that's kind of the... Um, the concern is that it should be our decision if we want to go with GMO foods, but we don't have the option of even knowing now unless we look for that non-GMO verified label, which is why that label specifically came about was to give consumers a way of knowing what wasn't genetically modified. Okay, so let's pivot to... um animals and meat. So there's a lot of different labels thrown around, organic, grass-fed, pasture-raised, and all of these three labels mean different things. And I personally prefer my meat to have all three, which is actually pretty hard to come by. Um, But I'll kind of give you a backstory or a little, um, I guess, details on what these three mean. So Organic, we kind of talked about. It means that the animal was not given hormones, antibiotics, um, or synthetic pesticides in its feed. That's really all organic means. Now, grass-fed doesn't mean any of that, but what it does mean is that the animal was fed grass instead of like a corn or soy feed. There's actually a lot of benefits to this. I don't personally believe it is like a marketing gimmick like some think. So from the studies that I have read, grass-fed cattle are much healthier than cattle that are fed like corn and soy grain feed. So grass-fed cattle have a ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 of about 2.1 versus the you know, grain-fed cattle, which has a ratio of about 20 to 1. So this deems it as inflammatory, and we know that inflammation is like the precursor to so many chronic diseases and illnesses. They also have a higher saturated fat. So grass-fed cattle really are healthier, and they also have like two to four times more vitamin A and E in them, more amino acids, like all of these things. And so that's why I personally like the grass-fed label. Now, pasture-raised means something different. So pasture-raised is basically what you would think of how a, like cattle are supposed to be raised. In nature, on the grass, not in a barn, so they're not confined outdoors, or I'm sorry, they're not confined indoors, and, you know, they're able to graze outside, live on the pasture for, you know, majority of their life, kind of how nature intended. 
Um, and with that, they do eat a lot of grass because they're outside. So they're naturally grazing. But that doesn't mean that they're um, 100% grass fed. They still can be fed a corn, soy, like grain diet, which is why I like all three of those labels together because it's like the perfect concoction of what you want or what I want, right? I want um, the animals to be raised how nature intended. I just think that that's like humane, right? Um, And grass-fed, let me just back up, grass-fed doesn't necessarily mean that they're pasture-raised. So grass-fed just means that they're fed grass, Um, this could be indoors in like the form of hay. Many of them do go outside a lot, but that doesn't mean that they're not confined. Um, so I like my animals to be pasture raised because I think that that's just humane. I think that they, you know, should be able to live how nature intended. I like it to be grass fed because I want to make sure that they are, you know, just eating grass. I think that that's healthier for me. And I also want them to be organic because I don't want those added growth hormones. I don't want those synthetic pesticides. Um, and I certainly do not want antibiotics. So that's kind of the deal with those three labels. I know that one is kind of confusing, um, but I hope that that helped kind of clarify. Okay, we talked um, a lot about labels today. And before we finish, I want to remind you that this is a podcast. I am trying to jam as much information as I can in like this short time frame. So I encourage you to do your own research and to make decisions based on what you believe is best for you. I am not giving you medical advice. I am not telling you what you should do. Um, I am just giving my opinion on these different labels based on the research that I have done and the conclusions that I have made. Um, but again, that's that's my opinion. And so I always encourage you to do your own research on everything that I talk about on, and on everything that anyone else talks about. Um, so yeah, so I hope that this was helpful in clarifying what each of these labels mean. So when you're in the grocery store next time, you feel a little more confident. And as a reminder, I know I say this every week, but if you haven't already and you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to subscribe and leave a rating. It is so appreciative since we are a brand new podcast. It really helps us like get our footing. And I will leave you with that. We will chat more on next week's episode of Empowered and Unfiltered. I'll see you then.